119. And um, this is just a, a really good scripture uh, here. There, there's so many things that are valuable to us. Uh, but this says in, um, this is Psalm 119, verse 165. And in case you didn't know, there's 167 or 176 verses in Psalm 119. So it's a long, it's a long psalm. Uh, and um, uh, this verse says, Great peace have they which love thy law. So, of course, we talked about uh, peace and, and not living in worry uh, in the last uh, few services on Sunday mornings. Uh, but he said, great. So he said, one of the fruits of loving the law of God is peace, right? And we talked about peace as a fruit of the Spirit. <clears throat> and so if you love the law, of course, the law is just the Word of God. So uh, if, you love, if you love the Word of God, then great peace will come upon you. Uh, and, and, of course, that's a great uh, that, that's a great promise. The second half of the verse is, is just as good. It says, and nothing shall offend them. Uh, wouldn't it be nice to live in a world where it is impossible to be offended? Uh, well, one way the Bible says that you can live where that you are never offended is to love the law of God. Uh, and, um, you know, much of the, peop- much of the people, in the, even in the church, are easily offended, right? If you say something that they don't like, uh, especially if it comes around some doctrinal things. You know, if you talk about certain doctrinal things, oftentimes people will get offended, which seems odd because if you really love the doctrine of the law of, of God, you would not be offended. Uh, and so, you know, the, the word offend, one of the word definitions for offend means to stumble. And a lot of times when we get offended, we really stumble in our spiritual walk with the Lord because resentment rises up, bitterness rises up, anger rises up. Uh, and, and none of those things are valuable in that sense, uh, in that moment there. And so we ended up we ended up stumbling because of what somebody says, what somebody does. Uh, and and the word of God says that that we can have great peace. So that so one of the of course, we talked last week about how the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds. But peace can also guard you so that you are you are that nothing can offend you. And um, and I've got a note here. In, in my little app here, uh, I've added several translations for this particular verse here. One of them says that uh, nothing will make them stumble, uh, that uh, lasting peace for those who love thy teaching. Uh, again, nothing can make them stumble. Uh, one translation says nothing will defeat them. Uh, and uh, one translation says that there will be no stumbling around in the dark uh, for them that love the Lord, uh, that love the law of God. Uh, no stumbling around in the dark for them. Uh, and, you know, when you get offended, that's what you're, what you're really doing. You're, you're, you're stumbling around uh, in the dark because you, you take offense, right? So somebody can attempt to offend you, right? Because Jesus talked about don't be the one who brings the offense. But, you know, uh, it takes two people to be offended. Somebody's bringing the offense, and you have to receive the offense. Amen? Uh, and so if somebody brings the offense, you don't, you're not required to receive it. Uh, and in the church, oftentimes, we're so used to just reacting in our emotions, right? Oh, you want to say that? You know, you step outside and say that? Uh, and we, we take offense when, uh, even if somebody's trying to bring it, of course, I know many people who take offense when there is no offense being brought, right? You ever seen people get offended just because, hey, the sky is blue. Well, how dare you say that? So there's people like that, right, who, who take offense at everything, yeah, and uh, we call them touchy, right? Of course, First uh, Corinthians thirteen, and the Amplified talks about that if you walk in the love of God, that you'll not be touchy. Amen. You ever known touchy people? You can't say anything about anything to them. Uh, well, uh, you know th- those. Uh, of course, the, those people could be helped uh, by 
by this verse alone, right? Uh, and so, you know, one of the things I decided a long time ago is I, I will not be offended. Uh, and, and it's really been a great blessing to my life because people uh, sometimes by accident, sometimes on purpose will do things with the intent of offending you. Uh, and, you know, if you take no offense at that, then uh, you're not going to stumble around in the dark. Uh, and as, as long as you take offense, you're going to be over here, at, you know, uh, not knowing what to do and, you know, why am I so upset and why can't I sleep? Why am I angry? Well, it's because you've taken offense. Uh, and if you go back, well, what's the root cause of that? Well, the root cause is not what somebody said or did. The root cause is that you don't love the, the law of God enough to, to override whatever they said by the word of God. Uh, and so, uh, you know, a lot of times people will, uh, you know, especially as a pastor, uh, you know, it's amazing how, how oftentimes people will try to bring offense to the pastor, right? They'll come and say something unkind to the pastor. And I just can't imagine, you know, just personally, I just can't imagine ever doing that uh, because of the office, right? That, that office is, is, a, is a holy and a precious office that the Lord has established in the church, uh, and for me to, it doesn't matter if I agree or disagree with the, what the pastor says, but to go and try, try to offend that office just seems really scary to me, right? <laughs> that the Lord Jesus would not take kindly to you intentionally doing that. Of course, he said in Luke 17 that it's better for a, a millstone to be hung around your neck than to try to offend one of these little ones. So even when you try to offend somebody who's just not in, even in the office of the pastor, Jesus said, uh, if you're the one bringing the offense, he said it's better for a millstone to be hung around your neck. Now, that's pretty tough, right? Because if your goal is to cause somebody to stumble, uh, Jesus said he takes, he takes uh, a serious, uh, uh, he, he takes that very serious when somebody tries to, to offend uh, somebody and causes them to stumble, amen? Now, after that, after that uh, message, the beginning of the Luke 17, the rest of the chapter, he talks about you, about the one who's, who has the opportunity to receive the offense, Right. He says you need to grow in faith. Uh, and um, and so he does say that it's serious if you're the one bringing the offense. But if you're the one receiving the offense, uh, he says that the issue with you receiving the offense is a lack of faith. Uh, and if you go back to Psalm 119, 165 here, it says that if you love the love the law of God, well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Right. Uh, and so if you want to grow to a person who can't uh, be offended, then you need to grow into a person who loves the, the Word of God. Uh, and if you get to that point in your life where you're not offended about anything, then it's a, it's a wonderful place to live. Now, I, ha- I had somebody come to the church one time, and they had a printout uh, from some, some website where people were making comments about things, and somebody made a disparaging remark about, about Christianity. And they were so offended that, that this anonymous person that they have never met, they don't know who they were, uh, made this comment about Christianity, and they were so upset that they printed it out and brought it to me and said, look what this person said. And they were so offended at that. And I'm like, uh, and, and I think they got offended because I wasn't offended. Because uh, I looked at it, it's like, so? I mean, you know, what's it, what's it matter if some, you know, uh, middle-aged man in his, in his mother's basement is saying something about God? I don't care. You know, why would I care? Why would I take offense at that? Well, you know, he shouldn't have said that. Well, yeah, but, you know, what's it to me? It's nothing to me, right? I mean, uh, and even if you said that about me, I don't care, you know. Uh, we, um, one of the uh, advertisements for, I think it was when Brother Larry was coming, Brother Larry Hutton, we accidentally pushed, you know, make this advertisement for the whole country. 
Well, you know, I'm not uh, expecting somebody from Kansas to come to that service, right? It's normal that we do it just in this area. Uh, and then we've got uh, so many just rude comments, you know. Every church ought to be burned down. Every pastor ought to be arrested, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like delete, delete, delete. I don't care, you know. Uh, it, it's just, uh, it's barely worth the time to even delete it, much less uh, to, to respond to it, you know. Uh, and did you respond to anybody? Not a single one. You know, I wouldn't even give them the time to, of day for me to spend time to respond to them. Uh, and, and so I'm just, I just refuse to be offended. Uh, you don't like me? I, I don't really care, you know. And you don't like what I've said? doesn't matter. Now, if you've got a valid, you know, uh, hey, what you said isn't accurate, that's fine, right? Uh, but um, people will be offended at you, and they will try to come and bring offense to you. Uh, well, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to stumble because somebody brings offense into your life? Because that's what it means, right? When they bring offense and you receive that offense, then you stumble in your spiritual walk. Well, now you, you've elevated them above the Word of God. You said that, well, what you've said is, 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 is more important to my life than what the Word of God says. And, of course, when you boil it like that down, you know, that makes that, that probably offends all of us, right? And so <laughs> I'm not trying to offend anybody. But I know just in preaching, you know, uh, there has been oftentimes when I have offended people just by saying what the Word of God says. There's no intention to offend anybody. I have no desire to offend anybody. But uh, have you ever known people who get offended at what, what a minister says or preaches from the Word of God? Uh, well, see, that's taken offense where there was none intended. Uh, and, and the Bible says that... Uh, that uh, they'll be stumbling around in the dark for that person. So the, the, the good word of God says that you can live a life where you are never offended. Where no matter what anybody says or what anybody does, uh, you're just not going to get offended about it. Uh, you can deal with it. You can uh, respond to it if you want to. But to, to allow those emotions to rise up in your heart and to be offended and to be hurt and to be angry because of what somebody does, there's... there's, there's uh, too little time on this earth, you know, even if we live to the fullest uh, time that uh, Moses promised us of 120 years, that's still a, a blink of an eye. Uh, amen. Uh, there's not enough time that we have we have on this earth to spend any time being offended. Uh, and so it doesn't make what the people say or do right. You know, you're not approving of it. You're not overlooking it in that sense that it doesn't matter. Uh, it matters to them because they're going to have to answer for that someday. And I just, well, Lord, you deal with it however you want to. Amen. Uh, someday they'll have to answer for that. Uh, and the, the, if I do that, see, then the Lord is, if I just leave it alone, then the Lord can operate and deal with that situation however he pleases. If I take offense at that, then, I, then, I, then I'm going to try to deal with my emotions. Uh, and, and if you try to deal with a situation or a circumstance by your emotions, you're never going to be successful. It doesn't even matter if what you say is technically accurate. Because your heart is full of, of anger and bitterness and, and emotions, you're not going to do it well and do it according to the will and plan of God. And so, uh, so this is a good promise because it says, here's a way to live without offense the rest of your life. Love the law of God. Uh, he said, great peace, great peace. So not just peace, but great peace for them that, that love the law of God and nothing shall offend them. That's a pretty good promise, right? If somebody comes up and says, I don't like your hair. You know, I don't like your, you know, I've had, I, had, I had somebody spend like 15 minutes uh, one time in my life, which I would love to get back, telling me how it's wrong that I wear a tie, you know, to, to, as, a, as a minister. I'm like, what? My tie offended you? Really? It's, it's made by little, these little worms in Japan, you know, that make the silk and, and they make, turn it into a tie. And that worm made you upset and bothers you that I wear a tie? 
I mean, what in the world? If that bothers you, you know, <laughs> uh, have I ever told anybody in here that you must wear a tie? Have I ever told anybody, you know, to come to this church, you got to wear a tie? You know, I wear a tie because I wear a tie. Uh, and, and that bothers some people. And I think, you know, if, if this little piece of silk causes offense to you, you know, what in the world else are you stumbling around in the dark about? Uh, if that bothers you, what else is bothering you? And what are you remaining in the dark about in your life? Because if that bothers you, see, there's no, there's no, is, do I wear a tie with the intention to, of, of offending anybody? Well, I know. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I've never said anything because I don't care. You know, as long as you're decent, I, I just don't care what you wear to church. Amen. Well, you know, you should. I just there's so many more important things in life than me measuring your skirt or or, or counting, you know, how many uh, any. I mean, it's just it's just not uh, it's just no value in doing that. Amen. Uh, and so. You know, and yet they were they spent all that time to try to instruct me about, you know, well, you, you don't need to wear a tie because it bothers people. You know, <laughs> you know, there's there's a little rebellion in me that's really then I'm going to wear like three ties. I'll wear like three ties just, in, you know, sometimes at church. Just, you know, because sometimes that rebellion rises up and, you, and you're just like, really? That kind of bother you? So, so let me see what else I can do. Amen. Uh, and, but uh, I'll wear a silk uh, hanky here too in my pocket. Maybe that'll double up on the offense there, right? Uh, no, I have no intention of, of offending people. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, there was no offense given, but there was offense taken. Uh, and the, the Bible says nothing shall offend them. So if they're offended because I wear a tie, the issue is lack of love for the word of God. So I didn't write it, right? The, 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 uh, the, the psalmist wrote it here. Uh, and uh, if you want to live a life that uh, you can never be offended, if somebody comes up and says the worst thing about your church, the worst thing about you, the worst thing about your dog or your cat, uh, you can live a life where that just, uh, just goes right on by. Just goes right on by. Uh, and if you love the, the law of God enough, the word of God enough, you can live that life. I think that's a pretty good life. Amen. Nothing bothers you. Nothing makes you upset. Uh, uh, and, it, and it's not about you having these psychological games of, well, you know, the, they didn't mean it or, you know, oftentimes they mean exactly what they said. You know, I don't like your tie. Okay, fine. You know, I think they probably meant that, but it's not going to offend me. Uh, that's, that's really on them. Amen. Uh, and I'm going to live a life where I cannot be offended. And, and if that promises nothing shall offend them, then that's the way I'm going to live. And that's a great place to live because I, I never have to stumble around in the dark because somebody said something or did something to me with the, with the intention of causing me offense. Uh, and I can live in complete and total victory in these things. So praise God. I think that's a wonderful verse. I think it's a great uh, promise there. And I'm going to live to the fullest of that uh, to the best of my ability. Amen. And, and so let's stand and greet each other for just a minute. and We'll get into praise and worship on the inside of us. You strengthen us, Father, all might in our inner man. Father, we don't resist the world in our own strength. We don't resist the temptation, Father, of the situations we come in contact with, with our own strength and our own mind, Father. You said in your word that we are strengthened with all might in our inner man, Father. We are stronger than we know. We have greater ability than we know. Father, we cannot be moved when we lean upon your spirit. 
we cannot be redirected in our lives, Father, but we rest in your spirit. Father, we can stay the course regardless of, of whatever trials and tribulations this life might bring into our presence. We stay the course, Father, because we are strengthened with all might in our inner man. Father, we thank you. We cannot be moved. We cannot be diverted. Our path cannot change, Father, if we rest in the strength of the Spirit of God who lives on the inside of us. So, Father, we thank you. We can live in complete and total victory in our lives. We thank you for that, Father. Father, we give you praise and honor for these things. We thank you for them, Father, in Jesus. Amen. Well, is the Lord good? You know, the word amen means so be it, right? And so what we're just saying when we say amen is having said his word, we say so be it in our lives. Amen. Whatever his word says, then we hook up with it in our lives and we say that word will be so in my life. Amen. And really, the, the Lord is waiting for us to, to give him that right to operate his word in our, in our life. Amen. He will never come down and override your will and make you do his word. He will never come down and make you walk in faith. He'll never come down and make you not be offended. But if you yield to his word, if you find out what his word says, like, for example, the Psalm 116, 165 that we read this morning, that you can live a life without offense, uh, that you can never be offended, he's waiting on you to say, amen, I will never be offended. And then that spirit of God on the inside of you will, will hook up with your statement of faith and say, then I will strengthen you so the next time the offense comes uh, that it has no impact on your life. Uh, that's a good way to live, amen? You know, we are in partnership with the Lord. We don't do things on our own, amen? In fact, it's really foolish to think, well, I can, I can handle it. Uh, why would you want to say that if, uh, if, if the Lord is there and his presence is there to give you the strength to handle any situation, why would you want to try to do it on your own? Amen? Um, it, it, it's a lot wiser to recognize that the Lord lives on the inside of you and his ability is there to help you deal with every situation of life. And, and lean to that strength. Lean to his word. And when you, get, when you train yourself to do that, then when the circumstances of life arise, the Spirit of God will, will speak up in your heart and will give you the Word of God that gives you the, the strength to resist that. Uh, the next time an offense comes, I can guarantee you the Spirit of God will remind you Psalm 116, 165. You can, you can live a life where you're never offended. And in that moment, then you can choose, well, then I'm going to yield to His Word. Amen. So be it in my life. I will never be offended. Now, you could choose to reject it. You know, many times the Spirit of God will speak to our hearts about the Word of God and will say, well, you don't understand. And we will, we will reject that Word. Uh, and it really, you know, uh, the Bible says, don't grieve the Spirit of God. In those times, you're grieving the Spirit of God because He brought to you the power and the ability to overcome through His Word and by His Spirit. And, and you chose to say, there's a reason why your Word and your Spirit are not sufficient which is never true, but we, we make that justification of why it's okay for us to be offended. Uh, and, and, you know, so many times in the church, we don't take advantage of what he's given to us. 
and we live way below our means. You think about if you can live a life with your, where you're never, ever offended again as long as you breathe air on this earth. What kind of a life would that look like? How much joy would you have in your life? How much peace would you have in your life? Because it's a great peace, right? Uh, those to, are, are given to those who love the law. Uh, well, uh, wouldn't it be nice to live in that perfect peace all the days of your life? And no matter what somebody brings to your life, that you can live in, in perfect peace and without offense. Well, you can because the Spirit of God, he said in Ephesians chapter 3, that you can be strengthened with all might in your inner man. And so you're strong, amen? Yeah, and um, uh, if you're strengthened with all might, that's the might that comes from heaven, then there's nothing can move you, amen? Nothing can sway you. Nothing can cause you to get off track in your life. That's a wonderful way to live, amen? Uh, and, um, uh, you know, you think about how much of the time the church spends in just, you know, they're wallowing in, in this kind of uh, pity or wallowing in this kind of anger or wallowing in this kind of offense or, or wallowing in this, this uh, hurt feelings or wallowing in, in this, you know, uh, difficulty of life. And we're never advancing. We're just stuck in that mire of whatever that uh, situation occurred. Uh, and, um, you know, I've talked to people over the years and I encourage them, be careful because if you're not careful, you will build an altar at this event of your life. And 10 years from now, you'll be talking about that event. 20 years from now, you'll be talking about that. Well, you remember what they did? You remember what they said? You remember how they acted? Uh, you know, they took this, they stole that, they hurt this, they, they, they said these words. Uh, and, well, when did that happen? It, 87 years ago, next Tuesday. Well, if it's that real to you, then, then you haven't moved past that. You have built an altar at that event of your life. Now, and what have you done for the Lord in, in the in-between time? How have you advanced the cause of heaven uh, in your life, by your life, in the time from the, when that event occurred till now? You know, much of the church has just wasted so much time in offense and hurt feelings and, and wounds and scars. And, and we elevate so much of that in the church. How go with the battle, brother? I have complete and total victory. That's how it goes. That's what our response should be, right? Now, this is the victory that overcometh the what? The world. the world, right? So if I have victory over the world, who's left that I don't have victory over? I mean, there's no one left, right? You look at the entire world, all 8 billion people will go, I've got the victory over that one. I've got the victory over that one. Uh, I've got the victory over that one. The Bible says, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our what? Faith. And so if we choose not to have victory, then we have chosen not to operate in faith. Uh, and, and so, and it's not, it's not, you know, these words are not said to, to offend anyone, obviously. It's to, to give us, to inspire us to know I can live that way. I can live a life where, where nothing overcomes me. No offense, no words, no hurt feelings. And I have no hurt feelings. I have no bitterness. I have no anger in my life or resentment from anything anybody's ever done because this is the victory that overcometh the whole world even my faith, right? It's, it was given to me by the Lord, but, but uh, it's still my faith, amen? It, the, the source of it is from heaven. What kind of a life would that look like? If you could live, live, live a life where there's no offense, no hurt feelings, no wounds, no, you're always moving forward. Uh, as soon as you take offense, you've stopped uh, and you've, you've quit progressing in your life. As soon as you take, uh, get your hurt feelings, you, you've stopped. And, and, and you will not progress until you overcome that. And you could, you could overcome it before it ever gets there. Amen? Because he said that you can, never be a, you can live a life where you're never offended. Well, that's a pretty good way to live. Amen? 
Uh, and and the, the church could accomplish so much for the Lord if we could live that life, amen, where it's not about what, what somebody's done to me. It's about what, what I can bring in advance in the cause of other people, how I can pray for them and be a blessing to them and, and encourage them, amen. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you, uh, you know, you, you, uh, part of what we, what we are required to do as a church is to look unto ourselves, amen, uh, and to evaluate, you know, where am I with the Lord? You know, when I look at the Word of God, how close to that am I living? When, I, when the Word of God is revealed to me, now, uh, when was the last time you read Psalm 119, 165? Well, maybe in a long time, amen. You know, I've read that verse many times, but I only got the revelation of that just a few weeks ago. I mean, I, I, I know I've read Psalm 119 many times. Uh, and just, you know, of course, it's, it's 176 verses. It's entirely way too long of a psalm, right? Uh, and so by the time you get to 165, you're like, blah, 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 blah. You know, I mean, you, I, I know you're all more spiritual than I am when you read all, oh, you read everything in, in, in great depth and, and never miss a single word in the Bible. Well, you're, I'm impressed, right? Uh, I can't say I'm always that way, but you know, that's the why the word of God is alive and active. Amen. You read the same verse a hundred times and, and only the last time you read it, does, does it add uh, revelation to your life? And so, uh, but, you know, you read, you read that verse, and, and that encourages me. I say, oh, Lord, I can live that way. See, that great, brings great joy to my life. Lord, I can, I, even if I'm not living that way, I get the hope that I can live that way, and then I'll pursue it by faith and, and arrive at that at some point in my life. Amen? Uh, and that's really what the Word of God should do, is it should give us the hope that I can live this way. I don't have to live down on, on uh, barely get along street right down next to Grumble Alley, right? Uh, and so it's a, it's a wonderful way to live. Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of, of Matthew, uh, chapter 7. We'll get started today. Uh, we have uh, completed a great milestone uh, in our ministry. We have completed Matthew chapter 6. Amen. <clears throat> and uh, uh, we're ready to begin Matthew chapter 7. So uh, I, I hope that Matthew chapter 6, especially the last uh, part that Jesus was teaching in, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount about not living with, with worry or fears, uh, you know, I, I trust that it was a great blessing to you because it's always a good message, amen? doesn't matter how many times you hear that you can live that way. It's always a good message to know that you never have to live in another worry or fret or anxiety all the days of your life, and here's how to do that, amen? And so Jesus said, you don't have to live this way, and then Paul gave us the revelation of, well, then how do you, how do you live that way? How do you live a life without worry or fretting or anxiety? Uh, well, you just go, uh, the, way, the best way to do it, is to go get uh, a cabin on the backside of the mountain somewhere and never deal with anything the rest of your life. Well, you, that would work, I suppose, but that's not, Jesus didn't say you've got to change your lifestyle in order to live worry-free. He said you change your heart to live worry-free. You don't have to change anything on the outside, amen? Oftentimes in a church, we change everything on the outside with a desire to, to change something on the inside. It doesn't work that way. Uh, because even if you move to the backside of the mountain in a cabin, you're still a person who worries. You know, it doesn't matter if you remove those natural circumstances of your life or change them. You're still a person who worries. You just, there's just nothing for you to worry about right now. But if something happened on the back side of the mountain, like your well dried up, you'd worry about it. Uh, and so you know, it's better to learn how to live worry-free where you are than change your natural circumstances to try to line them up with the, with the Word of God. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, so Jesus is continuing here. Uh, of course, uh, the writer, uh, it wasn't even Matthew who, who broke this up in, in book, chapter, and verse. Uh, it was later on, you know. In fact, uh, there is no, in the original uh, manuscripts of this, uh, if you look up, uh, if you actually looked at uh, manuscripts, 
there is uh, no, no book, chapter, and verse in the Greek manuscripts. There's actually no punctuation. There's no capital letters and smaller case letters. They're all the same uh, capital letters. And there's, there's uh, also no spaces between words. It's just one long, complete sentence and letters. And how in the world we figured this out? You know, uh, the Lord had to rise up some geniuses on the earth to figure this out, amen? Uh, because uh, where does one word start and one word end? You know, they, they didn't know anything about grammar uh, when they wrote the, the original manuscripts for, for the scriptures, amen? But just to assist us, to help us out, people have broke this out in the book, chapter, and verse, and so that's fine. It, it allows us to easily reference uh, what these things say. Uh, and so, um, so, we, so Jesus is continuing on right after uh, not worrying about things and seek ye first the kingdom of heaven in verse 33. Then he comes down to, to uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. And so we'll just read here a few verses. He says, judge not that you be not judged. Uh, and, um, you know, this is a great verse that uh, you can meddle a long time right here, right? And so uh, I hope you brought your seatbelts on because we've got to do some meddling as we discuss these verses. Uh, and so uh, he said, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you shall meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how would thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite. So Jesus, you know, uh, he did not mince words, did he, right? A hypocrite, that's a strong word, right? Hypocrite. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's actually the word, the original Greek word for hypocrite is what they called actors uh, in, uh, in Greece and in, in that uh, society because they, they would put masks on and they would act like they were being somebody else. Well, that's what a hypocrite is. You're saying one thing, but you're really something else. Uh, and you ever know people who are that way, right? Uh, of course, I know, you, you ever heard anybody say, well, I don't go to church because there's hypocrites there? You know, I'm thinking, well, just come on. Just join the rest of us. I mean, you're one, right? So just uh, come on and be like the rest of us. Uh, and so, because uh, uh, they're just judging everybody, you know, that they haven't met me, right? They don't know these things. Uh, and so uh, just come on, there'll just be one more. Amen, if you come. Uh, and so, you know, I don't get offended when people say that. Uh, and so, thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Uh, and so Jesus is doing a lot of meddling right here. Uh, but he starts out with, judge not that you, that you be not judged. Uh, and so, you know, first of all, uh, we'll talk about what judgment is here uh, in just a minute. But Jesus didn't say, don't ever judge. He says, don't ever judge unless you're willing to be judged by the same judgment that you're judging with. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of times, People will get on their high horse. I can't believe they did that, right? They'll judge somebody. Uh, and, uh, but if you ever called them on the same thing, they will get so offended. Uh, and so really, you know, if you're going to judge somebody, you should be willing to, to stand in judgment in the same way that you're judging somebody else. Amen? Um, and, and so, you know, what, what, what does it mean to even judge somebody? Well, to, to judge somebody means, uh, you, you know, when the Supreme Court does something, uh, when they write something, what do they call it? They write an opinion, right? And when a judge writes a declaration, they write an opinion. And that's really a good, I think it's a good definition for judgment is to render an opinion about somebody. Uh, and so, uh, and, and you know, the, the, the problem with judgment is it, it's such a big topic in a sense because 
you, you get some people, you know, they won't judge anything. You know, the, uh, and judgment is, is to render an opinion about something. Uh, well, you know, is it, is it right or wrong to steal? I, I don't, you know, I don't want to, I, I don't want to give you my opinion. Well, you know, uh, judgment, there, there is an area of judgment that is perfectly fine uh, if the Word of God is clear about something. And we'll talk about some of those issues in that, but, you know, if the Word of God says don't steal, then is it wrong to steal? 100% wrong. It's, it's 100% it's wrong to steal. Well, you shouldn't judge me. I didn't judge you. The Word of God judged you. Amen. But what happens a lot of times with, with the church is somebody will do something, and uh, we won't stop at, well, the Word of God says that's wrong. We'll add our opinion to that and say, and, and that person, you know, we should break their kneecaps. Well, now you've gone beyond that. Amen. Well, that person should be thrown out of the church, or that person is going to go to hell. Uh, we'll talk about some of those things uh, in, in a little bit when we get to that. So uh, the problem oftentimes in the church is we go beyond the Word of God. And that's when we get into trouble is when we render our opinion of, of what, some, what, what's, what something should be done to somebody uh, when, they, when they commit an infraction. Amen? See, there's nothing wrong with saying, well, that's right or wrong if the Word of God is already clear. If the Word of God is not clear about that, then, then should we form an opinion about that? Well, I don't think they should drive that nice of a car. You got any book, chapter, and verse for that? See, it's rendering an opinion, right? And there's so many strong opinions when you get into the church about judging things that, that people have no business having an opinion about. Well, I think the pastor's getting paid too much. You know, don't you love that one, right? As a pastor, I love that one especially, right? Yeah. Pastor getting paid too much. Uh, and, and, you know, I, and I've told you the story before. Someone told me, I said, hey, you still go to that church? No, I don't go to that church anymore. Well, how come? Well, they pay the pastor too much. And, and so I know that I got him because is there a book, chapter, and verse about what thou shalt pay the pastor? No, so I'd start asking questions. Okay, well, how much is too much? Is a dollar too much? Because you've got to start low, right? Because that's where people want to go, is, is go low, right? Well, well, is a dollar too much? Well, no, a dollar's fine. Okay, great. Well, how about two dollars? Well, I don't know about that. You know. uh, well, no, two dollars is fine, right? And you, start, you try to pin them down. Well, what's the number, right? Is there a number? And, 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 finally, and finally, out of desperation, they said, well, the pastor should never get paid any more than the poorest person in the church. What? Wait, really? You got book, chapter, and verse for that? And what's the problem with it? Well, Jesus said that you'll always have the poor with you. So the pastor's always stuck. Because if the poor is always with you, that means, you know, the poor generally make no money. So the pastor should not get paid. So, you know, if, if there's no book, chapter, verse for it, then, then what's your opinion? I don't have an opinion. Well, why not? I got no book, chapter, verse for it. Well, don't you think it's wrong? None of my business. Well, you know, uh, you know I, had a, I was talking to a fellow. He goes to a, a particular denominational church. And he was just talking to me. Now, I'm a pastor, right? He knows I'm a pastor. And, but he was talking about his pastor. He said, you know, uh, uh, they wanted me to be on the, the, uh, the finance committee because he knows something about finances, you know. And uh, he said, no, I don't want to do it. Well, and I, well, why not? He said, well, you know, it just really bothers me that they're wanting to give the pastor a raise. He's already got a, uh, you know, $200,000 house. He doesn't need any more money. I mean, it's like, well, based on what? What's the book, chapter, and verse that says that your opinion is... So what did he do? He passed judgment for that and said... Now, he's, he's a, a, a salaried individual. He, uh, you know, I don't know how much money he makes, but, but I can guarantee you he makes pretty good money for the, for the role that he... I'm not going to tell you his role because then you, you start narrowing down. I think I know who that is. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you who it is. So that, who it is is not important, amen? But I can guarantee you as a professional, he makes a lot of money. But, but he rendered an opinion that, you know, he said, well, it's a calling. So, so a calling means you're not allowed to make any money. 
Well, aren't we all called? We're all called. Amen. I just happen to be called to stand up here. You're called to do whatever you're called to do. And uh, you think if your paycheck comes back and it's a dollar short that you wouldn't go to HR and say, hey, your dollars, you, you pay up right now. I know you would, right? But, uh, but uh, you know, now look, uh, has there ever been any errors or, or out of balance things with finances at the church? A thousand times, right? No doubt. But, uh, but what, are we, what are we giving our opinion about, right? What, what is our opinion in that situation? So Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged for, for with what judgment you judged, you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you shall meet or measure again, it shall be measured to you again. So, so whatever, you know, I hear, I hear the church, they, they say just the most unkind things about somebody. And Jesus said, you know, basically this is the law of sowing and reaping, Right. If you're really harsh on somebody and always going straight to, well, we should break their kneecaps. If that's your go-to, you know, then, then, then that's what you open yourself up for the Lord to do for you. He, he's going to come back and bring that same judgment to you. He's going to, when you stand before him, you know, uh, uh, in fact, uh, I, might, I meant to write this down, but we'll go, we'll go uh, find it here in, um, in James, uh, uh, James chapter 2 here. We'll go read what that verse says there. Uh, it's it's uh, uh, he said here. This is James chapter two, uh, in verse thirteen. He says, "For he shall have judgment without mercy, that hath showed no mercy." And so, in, in, when you're dealing with situations uh, with people, and in fact, uh, it says, "And mercy rejoiceth against judgment." The Philip translation says, mercy smiles in the face of judgment. So and when you're looking at a situation uh, <clears throat> and, you know, someone says, what do you think about that? Well, I don't think they should have done that. Based on what? What's your foundation for that judgment? See, if you don't have a foundation for that judgment, uh, if the word of God is not clear, thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, then is adultery wrong? Well, sure it is, Right. But then if you go beyond that and say, well, that person committed adultery, so they're going to hell. Well, now that you've got no book, chapter, and verse that says they're going to go to hell for committing that infraction against the Lord. Uh, and so now you're standing in a position of judge that doesn't belong to you. So now you've extended going beyond that, that place, amen? Uh, and, and, and apparently this is a big deal because Jesus spends several verses talking about this, amen? You know, I, I talk to a lot of people who used to go to church who don't go to church anymore. And, and nearly without exception, the number one cause, somebody judged them in church. Uh, somebody said, well, uh, I've had people tell me, that, well, I used to go to church, but, but uh, you know, I, I don't have any money. And so, you know, I just kind of go with whatever clothes I'm, I'm wearing. And one day I went and, and the pastor's wife come back and said, if you can't uh, wear a dress to church next week. Now, this was a woman, right? Uh, nowadays, it'd be like, is that a man or a woman? It, it, it's church. It should be, a, you know, it should only be a woman that wearing a dress to church. But anyway, the, the, the pastor's wife said, if you can't wear a dress to church next week, just don't bother coming. Well, she passed judgment. Is there any book, chapter, and verse? Thou shalt wear a dress to church? No, the, the Bible says wear, have modest apparel. Well, what does that mean? Well, it just means what it means, right? I mean, we all know what immodest apparel looks like, right? When somebody walks in, we do this right here. We know what that looks like, right? Now, is, there a, is there a length? Is there a style? Is there a color? No, it's just, it is what it is, right? Uh, and so, uh, but, but uh, we're going to pass judgment. 
So that person quit going to church. I talked to a fellow not long ago. Uh, he, he, in fact, his, his name of his business includes the Lord's name in the, in the name of his business. It's, got a, it's an acronym, but again, I won't tell you what, what it is. But he doesn't go to church anymore because he went to church for a while. And they said, well, you, uh, because you don't dress right, you're not actually a member of this church. He was there for like three years. Uh, and, and they judged him for not dressing the way that, that they thought they said, that they thought that he should dress. And they passed judgment upon him. Uh, and they told him that he was not a, a member in good standing because of the way he dressed. Uh, now, look, I mean, for me, uh, because of who I am, you can't beat me out of church. You want to try to offend me and cause me to leave? I'm, I'm never leaving, right? You know, I was with my pastor for, for 20 years, and he tried to beat me out of the church. And I was there by the will of God. I was not there because he liked me. I wasn't there because he didn't like me. I was there because of what the Spirit of God t- instructed me to go there. And so, you know, you don't have to leave church. But how much, how much of the church is not going to church because somebody judged them? Because what they said or did. You know, I told you about the fellow that got mad at me because uh, he was living with somebody and, 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 uh, and he wasn't even living with somebody because he liked them. He was living with somebody to use them, which is terrible, right? Uh, and, you know, I said, well, just keep on coming to church. And he called me up and said, well, you judged me. Well, I, I didn't even judge him. I said, well, what do you think about that? He said, well, it's sin. I said, okay, fine. Uh, you know, I said, keep on coming to church. Uh, you reckon there should be any sinners who come to church? You know, if, if you're committing a sin, church should be a good place to go to. They'll figure out how to get out of it, amen? But see, what happens is, is if uh, the church has had the general attitude, if you commit a sin, my job is to judge you into past judgment over your life and to render an opinion about the value of your life. Well, that's not my job, Amen. Uh, and uh, in fact, I say all the time, I said, I am no man's judge. I say that because the, the judge of the earth is the, is the Lord. And how he chooses to deal with something is up to him. Now, will he ever speak to me, especially as the pastor, and say, you know, do this? He will. And he has, right? You've got to do this and deal with this situation this way. But uh, if he doesn't render judgment, I just leave it alone. Because now, see, see, in that case, judge not that you be not judged. See, if I pass judgment in, in a case, I will only do it if the Spirit of God instructs me to do it. Because then, uh, when, when a situation comes to me, it's the Lord, I, I didn't judge that. You know, that was what, something you did. Otherwise, I'll leave it alone. So Jesus said, you know, you don't have to not judge. You can judge if you want to. You just got to know that whatever judgment uh, that you judge, that you're going to uh, be judged with that same measure, right? He said, with the same measure, whatever measure you judge. Now, some people, they just... I mean, they'll send you to hell for every little thing. Well, what do you think that's going to, how do you think the Lord's going to respond to that? The next time that you commit an infraction and you need mercy, right? Because when we commit an infraction, we need the mercy of God, right? When we sin against the Lord, we need the mercy of God to forgive us. Uh, and, and, and so it's sowing and reaping. And if we're harsh on everybody else, what do you think the, the, the Lord's response is that? Uh, well, you know, you ask, you know, you, you, you committed this sin, now you're sick and you want me to heal you, but you've condemned every single person that's ever done anything around you. Uh, he said, I'm constrained by your own judgment. Uh, you have to live under your own judgment. Uh, and so, and then what Jesus said, now, is there forgiveness? There's always forgiveness, right? But you have to be careful in some of these things because Jesus is pretty adamant about this, amen? He's very adamant about judging in the, in the church. Uh, and, you know, I see this a lot where, where things uh, come up in the church and we go, we go beyond the Word of God. 
you know, and a really good example, you know, uh, uh, is, uh, we talked about this earlier in uh, Matthew chapter 6, about marriage and divorce, amen? Does the Bible have a lot to say about marriage? The Bible's actually got a lot to say about marriage and divorce. Uh, and, and yet, uh, people, in fact, that, uh, I told you about that one fellow that said he could go to church. Uh, he said that his wife had left him uh, and that, uh, you know, he wants to get married again, but he knows if he gets married again, he's going to go to hell. <laughs> really? Uh, and so, uh, <clears throat> because that's what the church have told him, right? Uh, and, and we're not going to get into marriage and divorce. You know, we did talk, teach on it for about six, six, uh, six months one time. Went through all of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you go through 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you know, it, it has a lot to say about things, about, uh, about marriage and divorce, amen? Uh, and, uh, and even really in, in my case, you know, for the most part, I just kind of leave it alone. What about, what if someone's married or divorced? Well, I don't, do I know everything about that situation? You know, uh, two people could be married and then get a divorce. And, and oftentimes only one person is at fault. You know, if the wife just leaves, well, is the husband at fault because the wife left? Now, if he beat her out, it would be fine, right? But, you know, sometimes people just, they decide they want to live how they want to live, regardless of what the word says, regardless of what the, what the Bible says. Uh, and, and they'll just backslide away from the Lord and just walk away from their marriage. Well, is the, is the husband at fault in that? If he's not at fault in that, then why do we judge him? Well, because all marriage and divorce is wrong. Well, you know, divorce is wrong, but who caused the divorce? Amen? You know, it takes two people to get married, but it only takes one person oftentimes to get divorced. Now, sometimes, you know, they'll, they'll say, well, there's a no-fault divorce and, you know, ir- irreconcilable differences. And, you know, <clears throat> it's like whatever, right? Um, now, you know, you know, in general, it's not a bad idea to... to, to uh, to try to keep the marriage together, but if somebody just, just doesn't want to do it, you can't make them stay, amen? And, and, and even in that, you know, I, I have no thus said the Lord from that because the, the Bible didn't give all the circumstances. Uh, can you trust somebody that's committed adultery in your, uh, against you and, and broke their marriage vows over several times? You know, I'll I just give you a couple of, of stories about that because it's helpful in that. You know, there was a, this, this fellow was a pastor many years ago. <clears throat> uh, and uh, Brother Hagen told this particular story. He was a, a pastor in a, in a denominational church. And uh, his wife uh, ran around on him. And then one day just, just left and never came back. Well, uh, okay. So he's a pastor and his wife left him. And so in that, in that denomination, uh, if you get a divorce, you're, it's just over. You have no right to remain as a minister of God. Well, how is that valid judgment if it wasn't his fault? Well, you know, the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, that a man should be a husband of one wife. Well, it does say that, right? Uh, and, but does it say one wife? Uh, you know, you could read that a couple of different ways. Well, one way to read it is one wife at a time. One way to read it is a wife, one wife and never a second wife. Well, then you've got to reconcile that with what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, because in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he said, uh, he gave one scenario in particular that if you're married uh, and, and uh, your spouse is, is a non-believer and they leave, just let them leave. Well, he didn't condemn them from getting a divorce. So, you know, uh, we've gotten so adamant about these things and we don't look at the whole counsel of God. But that, in the church, I've seen more judgment in, around marriage than nearly anything else. <clears throat> and again, you know, it's not... Are we excusing that you just live however you want to? 
No, but, but we gotta, when we get to seeing the examples of Jesus, we'll see what, he's, what he thought about these situations. Amen. So that pastor, now, he, now his wife left him. He's got five kids. Five kids, five, small kids, right? The youngest one was like 18 months old. The oldest one was like 10, something like that, 10 years old. Well, you know, a, a man just, uh, you know, this is not a sexist statement, but a man's just not designed to, to, to take care of five kids by himself. He just, he just, you know, and I'm not sure a woman can handle five kids by herself either, right? But, uh, you know, there's something about women just, you know, people, it's so easily offended to say something that nowadays, but the Lord made women to be moms. And they're really good at it. My wife was a much better mother than I was, right? Because, number one, I was never a mother, right? Uh, and and uh, she was such a, you know, she just, she, just, she just had that grace to be a mother, amen? And now we've got a grandson, and it's just, you know, it's like embarrassing, right? You know, between me and her, you know, she just loves this child. And I love the child. I'll do anything for this child. But it's just, you know, uh, it's just, it, there's no competition, right? It just, it's embarrassing how, how much better of a grandmother she is than I am a, a grandfather, uh, and so, so what 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 the man do? <clears throat> well, you know he's called of God. You know the Bible says in in uh, Romans eleven twenty nine that that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. That means he he doesn't change what he's called somebody to be. He called that man to be a minister of the gospel, uh, and yet because the church rejected him, that call was still on his life. So he just went down to some building and started having Bible studies. Ended up starting a church and had hundreds of people in the church. Uh, and, and so, well, why is that? Well, because this, the, the call of God was upon his life. Well, it's just wrong. Well, did he do anything wrong? Did he cause his wife to leave him? Now, if he did, that's a di- different discussion. But as far as we know, it, it was just, you know, she just decided, I don't want to be married. And, you know, some people do that. Sometimes a husband, sometimes a wife, you know, she decided, I don't want to be married. So, they had a, uh, in, in Brother Hagin's denomination, they had a conference, and, and the speaker got up, and, and without mentioning that pastor's name, basically judged him, well, you know, people who, who do that, you know, they don't need to be in the ministry. Well, you know, that's pretty harsh. The see, that's passing judgment, right? That's, you know, this person should not be in a ministry. Based on what? If the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, the only one who can get out of it is you, right? The only one is you disqualify yourself. And, of course, they're saying he disqualified himself. But, again, the wife left. He didn't throw her out the door. The wife just left. And he's got these kids. And, in fact, one minister that knew him said he went by to see him one day, and he was just on the pastor. The wife left, was on the back porch. Just The other kids were in school. He was just holding that little 18-month-old baby just weeping. Because he said, what, what am I going to do? How am I going to raise these kids by myself? You know, your heart breaks when you hear stories like that, that the man's weeping for the, for the children because he's not equipped to care for them the way he, he desires to care for them. And he needs, he needs a wife that, that knows how to do that. The, the grace of God is upon her life to do that. And so he got married, started this ministry, and it grew to be a successful ministry. And so they're at this conference. And this one, this one senior leader got up and, and basically without naming him, judged him. He doesn't need to be in the ministry. You know, based on what? See, uh, if I said that, then I'm saying that person answers to me. Do you, does a minister answer to me? Really, in one sense, do you, even, do you answer to me? If you don't answer to me, I mean, you know, I run this ministry, this church, but I don't run your life. Amen? <clears throat> and so, so uh, someone said, asked Brother Hagin, well, what do you think about that? 
And he just repeated what that fellow said, you know, that that man shouldn't be in the ministry and, and whatever, you know, judged a man uh, and, and didn't think anything about it. Uh, and and uh, that night, his, his wife and kids were with, with the in-laws, and so he was by himself at the house. Uh, and um, he tells the story. You can read, read the story about it. Because um, we, we'll have to spend, a, you know, a couple of three Sundays on this discussion because uh, it helps us to understand how we should live. Amen? Uh, and, the, and the Scripture's got a lot to say about these things if we'll just, if we can find it. Amen? if we find what the Word of God says. And so he, he's just praying, you know, before he goes to bed, he turned the light off and was fixing to go to bed, and he said, all of a sudden, the, uh, you know, the whole, whole room lit up. He said, bright as a noonday sun. Uh, and, and, he, and the Spirit of God spoke to him and said these words, Who art thou that criticizeth another man's servant? Uh, and, and Brother Hedding's like, well, I didn't criticize anybody. Uh, and of course, you know, it's, oh, the, best, the best thing to do when the Lord speaks to you is defend yourself, right? Because you're always right, and you're going to make the case that he's, he's mistaken in accusing you of something, right? Is that, is that a good thing to do? No, it's stupidity, right? It's a, if the Lord says you did something, yes, sir. Even if you don't remember doing it, yes, sir, right? The answer is, no, I didn't do that. It's like, is that right? Uh, is he ever going to say, oh, you're right, I was wrong. I, I didn't mean to accuse you of that. No, he's never going to happen that way, right? Who art thou? that criticizes another man's servant. Well, Lord, I didn't criticize him. Brother so-and-so did that. You know, that, that's always the next best thing to do is point your finger at somebody else. Well, Lord, it was, it was that woman you gave me. It wasn't me. That person did it, Lord. <clears throat> he said, didn't you repeat what he said? Well, well yeah. He said, that's, that's the same as you saying it, right? If you repeat, just, just because somebody else said it, you go, well, so-and-so said this, you know. Well, then, then you're agreeing with them. Amen. And so the Lord repeated, Who art thou that criticizes another man's servant? Uh, and, and so, you know, then, then Brother Hagin, you know, I'm glad that he tells you stories because it shows that he's human like the rest of us. And so then, it, so then he starts making a case. Well, Lord, I think just what he did was wrong. And, and, and so the Lord repeated, Who art thou that criticizes another man's servant? Now, see, Brother Hagin knew the Word of God enough that that's in the Scriptures, right? That phrase is in the Scripture. It, 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 in fact, it, it's, uh, we'll read it. it turn, well, we can, we can turn over there. We may not get all through it today. But in uh, Romans chapter 14, it says in verse 4, uh, the, the King James says, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? So uh, the Lord said, Is he your servant? The Lord asked Brother Hagin, Is he your servant? He said, well, Lord, if he's anybody's servant, he's your servant. He doesn't answer to me. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? See, this is a great, to me, this is one of the greatest verses. If you want to uh, not be a judgmental person, because so many people in church are so judgmental. Just like I told you, that someone judged me about my tie. I mean, it's, who, what's it to you if I wear a tie? You know, and I know none of you all care, but every now and then people just get bent out of shape because I wear a tie, right? Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? You know, it, it, all the things people, you know, have judged us because uh, uh, one year uh, we had some folks coming, you know, and people come and go, and that's fine, right? But uh, they came one year, and they decided, well, you can't have, you can't celebrate Easter with an Easter egg hunt. Who are talking to the judge? It's another man's servant. Is there anything immoral about eating uh, candy? Well, not that I know of, right? 
Do the kids enjoy it? Yeah. Do we elevate it to be doctrine that, that thou shalt go and hunt Easter eggs? No, there's no doctrine. It's just entertainment, right? But they're going to judge the ministry for doing that. But you can't have a steeple. People told us you can't have a steeple. You know, I'm thinking I'm going to have a, build a steeple on Easter, right? Right next to a Christmas tree. Because we've been told you can't have Christmas trees either, right? So I'm going to have like a Christmas tree with an Easter bunny uh, on a steeple, right? It's just... just because uh, it just makes people upset, right? And so sometimes it's just, you know, there's something about me. Sometimes it's just good to, you know, stick your thumb in somebody's eyeball. Right? But uh, anyway, that's another discussion. But that's uh, so the Lord, who art thou that judgest another man's servant? Now see, uh, was that man innocent? Well, he was. But what if he wasn't innocent? What if he was the one who caused a divorce? Is it your job to judge him, to stand in judgment? See, uh, the, the, the thing about, first of all, judgment is there should be very little judgment in your life. The only places you should really judge anything uh, at all is things where you have some authority in. If you've got no authority in this situation, if, in other, if those people don't answer to you, now see if, this, if that pastor answered to Brother Hagin, well, maybe he had some right. Uh, Paul judged a lot of the churches, but they all answered to him. He started the churches. He had a right to, to pass judgment in some cases. But for the most part, you know, if it's not your church, well, that church is doing nothing. None of my business. I don't care. Well, they don't answer to me, right? Because because of Romans fourteen four, who art thou that judges another man, another man's servant, or criticizes or passes an opinion over another man's servant? And, and that right there, that verse right there, will will keep you from passing judgment over people all the time. Someone walks in, got purple hair. I can't believe they got purple hair. Look at that purple hair. So. Someone walks in, you know, I know uh, some of the phrases, you know, they walk in and they look like they fell in a tackle box, right? Uh, they got piercings all over the place, you know. Well, you know, would I do that? Well, no. Would I, uh, if somebody asked me, would I, you know, uh, should, should you do that? Well, I would encourage you don't do that, right? Because uh, first of all, it looks like it'd be painful, but, and there are some scriptures about that. Well, what about tattoos? Well, you know, I'd tell you, you know, the, the, what the Bible says about tattoos. What if I already got one? Well, whatever, I don't care. You know, I just could care less. Well, well don't you think it's wrong? <clears throat> I just, I leave it alone. Well, why? Because for one thing, there is a verse that talks about in the Old Testament about not doing that. But uh, if you've already got it, it's kind of late now to do something about it. Now you could get it laser removed. I know it sounds painful, but <clears throat> don't you think it's wrong? I, you know, there, there's so many other important things. Now, look, if you want to build a doctrine about it, because I've had people try to build a doctrine, you know, you, it's, it's okay. You know, you've you, you got to be careful about doing things that are in direct uh, violation of what the Word says. But if you, you've already got one, then I don't care. I just, you know, it just doesn't, you know, it's just not important. Amen? Uh, why? Because it's not my job to judge another man's servant. Well, well, tell me exactly when you got it. Why, what's the circumstances? I don't care. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Amen? Uh, and so, but I've had people get offended at me because even saying things like that, they'll get upset, upset about you. So the Lord, you know, really uh, raked Brother Hagin over the coals because that pastor was not his servant, was not Brother Hagin's servant. And, and, and so, uh, and we went back to the situation, what if he was the one who caused the divorce? Well, surely there's forgiveness. Uh, but people, especially in the church, count uh, divorce as the unpardonable sin, which I, you know, I don't understand. We talked about the sin of the death uh, and the requirements for the sin of the death. That is not one of them. Amen. You've been divorced. That is not the sin of the, on sin of the death, as the Lord would, would discuss it in his scriptures. Amen. Uh, and so, 
Who art thou that judge another man's servant? Uh, he says to his own master, he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. So, uh, and, and if you look at the context of these verses here, it's not talking about marriage in this particular context, it's talking about those who don't eat meat, right? Uh, but you can use this in any circumstance, uh, any situation uh, regarding uh, these cases, right? Uh, and so, so uh, and just, uh, now here's how bad we get. There was another story about a, another uh, minister that got divorced, uh, and he, uh, he was really young when he got married, and he was, was really naive, and he ended up marrying basically a prostitute in the town and didn't, just didn't even know, right? He, you know, some people are just not really clue, they're kind of clueless about life. And so she slept around with everybody. Finally, she did leave him, right? He also had several kids. Uh, and uh, um, he went to the pastor, said, hey, is it okay if I get remarried? Oh, no, you can't get remarried. Uh, and and so, so he's kind of stuck, but he's got all these kids. Don't he, now, he wasn't a, uh, in that case, he wasn't a minister. He was just attending church. Um, and so he got divorced because uh, his wife left him, right? Uh, and, and just walked out the door never to return. And the pastor said, you can't get remarried. Well, you know, that pastor left. And, and in the interim between the pastor leaving and getting a new pastor, uh, he got married. His, his uh, high school sweetheart We started going back to that church. They struck up a, you know, a relationship again. He got remarried and, um, <clears throat> and was a big help to the church. He would sing. He would play instruments and, you know, just a, a real blessing to the church. And the new pastor came and didn't know anything about that. Uh, and, and then later on, uh, they found out that uh, uh, they had an altar call, and they both went down, the, the new married couple both went down and got baptized with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues. Now, if you know anything about, you know, uh, about uh, being baptized with the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues, in fact, we may, we may do some teaching about that before too long, uh, you know, it's necessary from a doctrinal standpoint that you must be born again before you can receive the Holy Spirit. Technically, you, you, it's not possible because the whole point of being born again is to be able to receive the Holy Spirit. Your spirit is not qualified to receive the Spirit of God unless it's born again. So if it receives the Spirit of God, that's sure evidence that you have been born again. There's no other way around it other than that. And so that just threw the pastor's doctrine for a loop. He's like, well, how can that be? Because he said, he said I know they're going to go to hell for getting remarried. Now, there's no scripture that says that anywhere in the Bible that if you get remarried, you're, you're destined for hell, eternal damnation, because you get remarried. Especially, you know, again, if it wasn't your fault, you never committed a sin anyway. But even if it was your fault, you can surely be forgiven and, and, and go on, amen? Uh, and so, <clears throat> now, is that, you live however you want to? Well, let's see what Jesus said. When we get to that point, you know, we'll see, we'll meddle a little bit more and see what Jesus said, because Jesus had great opportunities to, to judge people, and, and he would have been justified in his judgment because he's almighty God. Because he wouldn't be afraid of anybody sending a judgment over his life, would he? Judge not lest ye be judged, right? For the same measure that you, that you judge, uh, you'll be judged. He would have been perfectly fine. Yeah, judge me however you want to. Now, see, most people couldn't withstand that much scrutiny. You know, if, if all the judgment they passed on other people was put on them, there's no way they would stand. They would all fall. Uh, because are any of us perfect? Well, none of us perfect, so I don't know why we get on a high horse all the time about how perfect we are. Uh, when, when, when we make all kinds of mistakes. It just our mistakes, you know, don't smell as bad and we think as somebody else's mistakes, right? Uh, and, and that's the thing, right? We, we like to pick and choose which things will send you to hell because it's things that I'm not doing. Well, that's convenient, right? Except that the Lord doesn't work that way. 
Because even if you're not doing that thing, you're still doing things. And, and, and you'll stand in judgment over those things with the same level of judgment that you passed over somebody else. Uh, and so, so that, that pastor said, well, <clears throat> uh, I know they're going to hell. He said, he said, here's what I figured out. This is how twisted doctrine gets because when people judge, they, they have to twist doctrine to be in such a way that, that uh, doesn't make any sense, right? He said, the Lord knows they're going to go to hell. So he's just giving them a little bit of, of uh, heaven on earth, knowing that eventually they're going to die and go to hell and spend eternity in hell. That's why they were able to get baptized with the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues. Like, that's just messed up. You just made that up, right? You know, it's just, there's no doctrine for that at all. You just pull that out of the air and, and trying to reconcile with what obviously the Lord did, right? Because the Bible says that they speak with tongues as he gives them utterance. So if he gives them the utterance to speak with other tongues, then he has approved of them speaking with other tongues and grants them the blessing to speak with other tongues. And yet he did that because he knows they're going to go to hell anyway and he wants to help them out a little bit between now and then. Well, that's just messed up, Amen. Uh, and so, and that's what people do is instead of, instead of figuring out the doctrine, well, the doctrine is just leave it alone. The doctrine is it's none of your business. Are they your servant? Do they answer to you? Then you just leave it alone. See, the, the best, best approach is when somebody says, what's your opinion? I don't have an opinion. What about all these evangelists flying jet airplanes? I don't have an opinion. Don't you think it's wrong? I don't have an opinion. None of my business. Well, don't you see the house? They got a 26,000 square foot house. Don't you think that's wrong? None of my business. Well, why not? Because they don't answer to me. And people will excoriate and, and burn them to hell from the pulpit all the time. They have a 26,000 square And, you know, some people actually have a house that big, right? Some of these television evangelists got a 26,000 square foot house. You know how long it would take to, to vacuum a 26,000? Just think about dusting. Dusting. I mean, you have to dust with like a leaf blower, right? I mean, just, I mean, I think, you know, just the work of, I, 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 would, I don't want a 26,000 square foot house, amen? Because you've got to take care of a 26,000 square foot. But, well, they've got one. I don't care. Uh, they, are, they are not my servant. I leave it alone. I leave it alone. Why? Because if I pass judgment over there, well, they've got a 26,000 square foot house, then, then the Lord would be right in, in somebody judging me over my, my house. Well, your house is way too big. Based on what? Well, you shouldn't have a house that big. You spent way too much money on a house. Is the Lord running out of money? Uh, I mean, is he short on cash? I mean, last time I checked, you know, there's no, there's no uh, recession in heaven. Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, people would be offended. At, uh, I can't believe. I remember one time years ago, I was in a meeting, and, and I had just bought, hadn't been long, I bought a, a brand new leather Bible, right? It was a nice, it wasn't this one. It was a New American Standard Version. Bible, and I spent like $100 on it. It's genuine leather, leather, not that, you know, uh, bonded leather, right? Bonded leather is just basically uh, leather with glue. This is like genuine, you know, a cow had to die for this Bible, right? So it was, it was awesome. This guy gets in there, and he's, and he's preaching, and he says, uh, he said, it's wrong if, if you have these expensive Bibles, because you could have taken that $100, and you could have bought 100 Bibles that we could have sent to China, or as President Trump would say, China, right? Uh, and so uh, you could have sent that to China and helped the Chinese. I said, well, why can't you do both? See, he passed judgment over me because I wanted a Bible that would last forever, right? I mean, I've had this Bible now for, for 10, 20, almost 30 years. 
uh, and, and yeah, I spent a lot of money on it, but it's lasted for 30 years. You know how long a, a, a dollar Bible would last? It wouldn't last 30 years, right? So you'd be buying a Bible every year, you know, for the next 30 years, and well, then just the same amount of money, amen? Uh, but then you'd have to transfer all your notes every time. It'd be just exhausting, and so... Um, but he, he passed judgment on, on everybody who spent money on, on a $100 Bible. Well, what's it to him if I spend money on a $100 Bible? Well, you shouldn't spend money on that. Based on what? Is there a book, chapter, and verse, you know? Uh, don't spend money on a leather-bound Bible. Uh, look, you, I, I don't care. Well, I, I only buy paperback Bible. Fine, I don't care. Just do whatever you want to. You, know, I, I, you got an opinion about that? No, I got no opinion on that whatsoever. <clears throat> I mean, I might think something about it, but I'm not going to render an opinion over it uh, because I'm thinking, well, it's not going to last, right? Uh, it, but if that's fine with you, then it's fine, right? If you like to have, you know, large print or small print, you know, it just, it doesn't matter. There's so many things we form an opinion and we render an opinion about that it's just none of our business. And Jesus said, are, are you willing to withstand the same scrutiny in your life that you're passing over somebody else's life? See, that's the question, right? Are you willing? And, and of course, you know, people who are not smart, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, right. You wait for the Lord to pass a, a judgment over your life for those same type of things. It won't be that exact same thing because you've already decided that I'm only going to pass judgment over things I'm not doing. Fine. The Lord will find something similar in your life over here that you are doing. Uh, and and it, it, when the Lord judges you, it's not a happy day, right? When, when the Lord judged Brother Hagin, because he did, he passed judgment over Brother Hagin's life. Who art thou that, that criticized another man's servant? Uh, and he said, from that day till now, uh, uh, I've just kept my mouth shut. And see, that's a good way to be. You got an opinion of that? No. Well, don't you think it's wrong? Huh? You know, I, I take every circuit, because what happens, we, we make these blanket judgments, and we don't even look at the circumstance. So I just leave every circumstance alone. I just, it's none of my business. Well, you're, you're the pastor. Well, if the Lord wants me to, to, to do something about it, he's, he's plenty able to tell me about it. Amen. And so, so Jesus is saying, you know, you, you don't have to not judge. You can judge if you want to. But are you man enough to, to withstand the same scrutiny that you're putting on somebody else's life? See, that's the question, right? And, and if you're wise, you'd be like, you know, I think I'll pass all this, skip all that. See, if you're young and foolish and zealous, you'd be, oh, yeah, I can do it. You ain't going to do it. You know, not really, amen. Uh, and so uh, there's so many things that we pass judgment over. You know, when we, we, we go to California for some meetings, and, and um, you know, they just dress differently than we do here, right? I mean, everything's tight, everything's short. Uh, <clears throat> it's just different, right? I mean, you know, uh, and, um, <clears throat> and they're all that way, right? I mean, not all that way, but, but uh, a big percentage of them, especially certain churches, right? Uh, you get that culture, and that's their culture. Well, don't you think it's wrong? It's none of my business, right? I mean, just, it's just not any of my business. Uh, just leave it alone. Why not? Well, they don't answer to me. Amen. And they all seem to be doing good work for the Lord. Well, they can't do good work in a tight dress. I mean, based on what? Right? Uh, you know, none of my business. Amen. Uh, because I'm going to leave it alone. Uh, because if I start doing that, the Lord's going to be like, well, you know, what about your shorts? And what about that? You know, I don't want the Lord coming back at me on these things. Amen. Uh, and so, because uh, and, and, then he talks about uh, you hypocrite, right? See, uh, people that are very judgmental are, are some of the biggest hypocrites ever. Because they'll pass judgment over everything and never look in the mirror. Right? And that's the issue, right? If, uh, if, you're, if you're one to pass judgment over every circumstance, I can guarantee you, you don't own a single mirror at all. And we've we got to go now in just a second. But uh, 
Uh, we'll, we'll look at a couple more of the, these things. You know, they, these are pretty strong words because when Jesus starts using words like hypocrite, thou hypocrite, you know, he usually reserved the word hypocrite for the Pharisees, right? Reserved it for the religious leaders. But here he's, he's uh, including everybody who's deciding to pass judgment over, over everybody else for things that don't even matter. You know, I can't believe you, you eat fried chicken, right? Uh, I can't believe you eat a donut. I mean, I've been judged over eating a donut. I can't believe you eat that stuff. Have you ever had a donut? I mean, they're pretty good, especially those from down. I mean, wow, you know. Uh, and, and so, uh, just it's all kinds of stuff. You know, I, uh, I was told that I'm a terrible pastor because I don't have uh, a men's fellowship uh, meeting. You're wrong. Really? Is that right? You're going to eat book, chapter, verse, for thou shalt have a men's fellowship meeting, breakfast, lunch, or whatever? I mean, I don't know any book, chapter, and verse for that. Do you? Uh, and they said, what kind of a church uh, uh, is a church that doesn't minister like that? One that doesn't answer to you, I suppose, right? Uh, and so, uh, but, the, you know, I, I mean, as a pastor, I have been judged so many times over everything in the world, right? I mean, just, you know, uh, your music is too loud or your doctrine is wrong or this or that. And <clears throat> I mean, it's just whatever, right? Uh, and so... Now, all those people that do those things, Jesus said uh, they'll, they'll stand in judgment for that same thing. It may not happen to the end of time, right? It may not happen until they stand before the Lord Jesus. Uh, it, it, uh, hopefully, to their, to their advantage, it would be better to happen now because they can repent and get forgiveness of it now, right? When they stand before the Lord Jesus, it's going to be a little bit more difficult there, and they'll still get forgiveness for it, but it's going to be a lot more uncomfortable when, he's, when you're standing in his presence and he brings it up, right? Uh, and so... So uh, I think it'd be good to just spend a little uh, time in, the, in these verses. Uh, now, uh, for you, you've got to be careful not to be condemned by these verses. Because if these are hitting close to home for you, the correct response is, Lord, the, Lord then I'm going to change. As opposed to, I can't believe you're saying that about me. You know, I'm not talking about anybody in here in particular, right? Uh, and so, uh, well, he's talking about me. Well, if I am, I mean, who else am I talking to? Right? You're the ones that are here. Amen. So let's, let's get this figured out. Because really, just think about how wonderful a church could be is no matter who walked in that door, we were glad to see them. Amen. See, oftentimes people walk in that door and the first thing we do is make a list of all their mistakes. Oh yeah, look at that hair. Look at that earring. Look at that tattoo. Look at their clothes. You know, and they feel that, right? They walk and they feel all the eyes on them going, yep, a list. They're failing all these things. You know, we'll give you a grade of a 40. When you walk in that door, instead of going, man, I'm glad you're here. You know, we want you to bring you, we want you to get to heaven. How can we help you get to heaven? Amen. Those things can be fixed. Amen. If they're doing things that aren't right, they can be fixed. It's not that we just act like they're, they're, they don't exist, but they can be fixed. Amen. But if we pass judgment over somebody just because they walk in the door, well, you know, if I walk in the door, my hair's, you know, blue or yellow or orange and blue, uh, they're going to judge me. You know, if someone walked in like that, I, it wouldn't bother me a bit. Well, why not? I don't care. Uh, compared to eternity, the color of their hair is so unimportant. Amen. Well, I've been married two times before. Compared to eternity, that just doesn't matter. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so uh, <clears throat> we got to meddle a little bit more in this. Amen. We'll, we'll meddle some more in this next week. And um, because my goal is to get us as a group of people, as a, as a body of Christ here, this, this local body, to where we don't pass judgment over anybody. We just leave it alone, and we're here to help somebody's eternal destiny. 
And if we can get them into eternity, the Lord can take care of the rest. And that's the way I see it, you know. Otherwise, now look, if you, if you come up and tell me you're, uh, you know, uh, I'm doing this thing, uh, is there any book, chapter, verse about that thing? And if there is, I say, well, the Bible says this about that. Well, you know, you can't judge me. I didn't judge you. The Word of God judged you, right? So, I mean, I got no problem with telling you what the Word of God says. Jesus did that, and we'll see how he handled those situations. There's a couple of good examples where he handled that exact situation where somebody was in violation of the Word of God, and he still did not pass judgment over them. Uh, and so, uh, so we'll look at the example that Jesus gave to us, because uh, I think that's a pretty good example, amen? And see how we would react. Ask us, because when I look at that situation, my, my question is, Lord, what would I have done? I see how you did it. What would I have done in that situation? Amen. And that's always a good uh, test for us is, what would you have done if you were in Jesus' shoes in that circumstance? What would you have said and done? I'd shot them all and burned the rest. Well, that's probably what a lot of people would do, right? But uh, let's see what Jesus would have done and, and follow his example. Amen. Because he would have been right and justified in, in declaring whatever judgment he wanted to. Of course, he did say one time that he came not to judge the world, right? Uh, but the world is judged already, is what he says. And so... Let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. And, Father, we thank you that if your word declares uh, to us the things that it does, we will not be in fear to follow that plan, Father. And, Lord, if we have ever been in violation of your word, uh, we can be forgiven for that. And so, Father, we thank you that you said in your word that, that mercy smiles in the face of judgment. And so, Father, our job is not to be the judge of the earth. That position is already taken by the Father in heaven. And so, Lord, we will not usurp that position. We will not take a position that does not belong to us, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. You know, uh, we'll, we'll come back and uh, we'll continue in this path. We'll see, we'll see how brave you are to return next Sunday, right? And so, <laughs> uh, all is well. Amen. Uh, we'll just get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Um, you know, like I said, so many people I've talked to that no longer go to church quit going because they were judged really unfairly for just something that just don't even matter to a hill of beans, right? <clears throat> and, you know, there are some things that matter, but there are some things that just don't matter. Uh, and you got maybe one verse in the whole Bible about it, if that. Uh, and so why would we make such a big deal of, of things that don't matter? Amen. Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared. Uh, and... Um, we feed this morning's offerings. Amen. Is the Lord good to us? He's good, you know. Uh, you know, especially, you know, if you've been in church for a long time, it's easy to kind of get in that church mentality. This is the way things should be, and they shouldn't be any other way than that. Um, and, and it's easy for the church to pass judgment. Uh, and really, the Pentecostal church as a whole has done a great disservice to the Lord because the Pentecostal church nearly judged the life of God out of the church by judging everybody's everything, right? You got makeup on, you got jewelry on, you, you, you wear this kind of clothes, or you've had this life experience, whatever. They judge you for everything and nearly uh, 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 smothered the life of God out of the church. Nearly did, amen? If it wasn't for the mercy of God, they would have. And the Pentecostal church should be the, at the forefront of the move of God in every way, power and ability and grace and mercy and love because we understand these things. Uh, and yet we nearly uh, snuffed out the life of God in the church, amen? And I understand you can get the other way where you approve of everybody's failures. Well, we don't approve of anything, amen? We just leave it alone uh, and let the Lord deal with that. And if, if the Lord tells us to deal with it, then we do. And we'll talk some more about that next week. So, all right, we'll be blessed. Don't forget we have healing school today at 3 o'clock. 
and uh, actually we're starting a brand new book in healing school uh, called the uh, bodily to- uh, uh, bodily healing and atonement uh, and it's a good book it'll be a good uh, really good book to study with in healing school so be blessed have have a wonderful week and you're dismissed <laughs>